This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Yes, No, and Wait, and it comes from 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 29. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk Inc. could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song's ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts, so won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely on the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. In Hebrews 13:16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobiblclass.podbean.com or catch us wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to your podcast, we're there too. Just search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Today we pick up in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7. We've been going through 1 and 2 Samuel. We've now seen David become king and he just recently moved the Ark of the Covenant. He did two things very well as he was king. One, he established Jerusalem as the center and the headquarters or the capital. Second thing he did is he brought the Ark of the Covenant back. He's been very successful because the Lord's been with him and he's been a man after God's own heart. And a couple of weeks ago, I did a lesson named Success Brings Its Problems. And I would have named this lesson that, but instead I named it Yes, No, and Wait because David has a problem. Because of his success, there's something that the Lord says, well, hold on, I don't want you to do it. I don't want to steal too much from the lesson, so we'll jump in, but success brings its own set of problems. I'm talking to a bunch of people today that are probably very successful. And when you're successful, you expect to have success. And when you don't have success, when it eludes you, that's when it can be very hard to take. And that's what we're going to see a little bit of today with David. I'm sure that many of you listening to me today are very successful. When you face a challenge, you're able to meet it. You know, when you get up to the challenge, you may not know what to do, but you go and educate yourself whether that's on YouTube or whether you take some type of training or whether you get someone to kind of educate you on what to do, and then you're able to go tackle it. But whatever challenges you, you're able to overcome it. You're able to do it well. I know some of you listening to me today because I talk to you have college degrees and graduate degrees, and, and some of you have graduated with academic honors. Some of you have PhD, some of you have master, some of you have MD, some of you have a PhD in education. For the most part, if you look at all those certifications or those titles, that's all about success. But that's not the only place some of you have been successful. A lot of you have been successful in the workplace, in your career. Some of you are supervisors now, or you're an executive at your place of work. Out at the Navy base, some of you have rank that you've worked your way up where you can command, respect, influence wherever you are. 
And so I see that across the folks that I talk to that listen to this lesson. And for those of you that haven't gotten to some of the, these levels that I'm talking about, you're well on your way inside your career as you're growing your career out there professionally. But if we're all honest, underneath that facade of success, there is a layer of disappointment. And we don't talk too much about this, but if you were to go to counseling and or you were to listen in on some privacy of the counseling sessions, there are some failures that are cluttering up in our life that we don't talk about, we don't expose, and those failures sometimes hold us back. If we're truly honest with ourselves, some of us would say it's that job offer that you thought you had in the bag and last minute they gave it to someone else. Or maybe it was a marriage that began very well and you said, till death do us part. But a few years later, it went sour and it's no longer there. The marriage is gone. Or maybe it was a child who rejected you as a parent or a friend that turned against you or a boss whose attitude just couldn't turn around and only saw you as a failure. And even though you may be successful on the outside, here you sit today listening to me with some failures that you're hiding underneath, some places that weren't successful. Well, today we're going to see that King David faced this kind of disappointment. David had been successful in just about everything he had done and everything that he had undertaken, he did unto the Lord. His record as a man was a man of valor. He was unequaled. He was politically savvy. He was widely recognized as the greatest king around. He had a grand plan and everyone said that the Lord is with you. He had built this strong kingdom he had united the kingdom that had fallen apart when Saul no longer was king. He had made Jerusalem the capital. I told you it's one of his biggest accomplishments. And then he brings the Ark of the Covenant back, but he's not able to finish it well. If you go back and listen to last week's lesson, you find that there was two things. First, David tried to take the convenient way to bring it back, and we find that someone died because of it. But then David got angry at the Lord and he went and researched and he's like, how can I bring this back? I'm trying to do something good and yet it turned against me. How many times has that happened to you when you thought you were doing something good and it seemed to turn against you? Well, anyhow, we see that David goes and studies, finds out what he did wrong, and he successfully brings the Ark of the Covenant back to the city of Jerusalem. But just like we saw that disappointment last week when he was praising and they were having a great time until someone died trying to bring the ark back. Today we're going to see another step that he's trying to do and it brings new disappointment. Now that the ark of the covenant is back, he decides he wants to build a temple. Why should he live in this nice mansion, this nice home, and yet the ark of the covenant is sitting in a tent? And to make things worse, look at what a good idea it was. Imagine this is you. You had this idea, I'm going to build this elaborate temple for the Lord so that he has something better than what I live in. I don't want him in a tent anymore. I want him in an elaborate house. And so he has this crowning moment, this great idea to build a house for the ark, to enshrine the ark with the nicest thing that he can build. And God tells him, no, this isn't for you. You're not to do it. To make things worse, the prophet Nathan even said, yes, go do this great idea. And then the Lord comes to him and deals with him and tells him, go and tell him, no, David, you're not to build it. Think about how bitter those words were when the prophet Nathan came to him and said, 
king. The Lord says, no. The Lord says, this is not to be. I know, David, that you really want to do this. You think you really need to do this, but David, just give it up. Don't do it. You can't build this temple. The Lord has said no. So turn with me real quick to 2 Samuel 7. We'll start in verse 1. I'm not going to read every single verse. I'm going to point out verses because there's 29. I don't have time to go through them all. Now, when the king lived in the house and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that's in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak of my word with any of the judges of Israel who I commanded to shepherd the people of Israel, saying, Why have you not built a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be a prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name, like the name of the great ones of earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel to plant them so that they may dwell in a place that's not disturbed anymore. And a violent men shall not afflict them no more formally. From the time that I appointed judges over my people, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. And we're going to stop right there for now. So what's happened here is David is sitting in his mansion, and he's looking over at where the ark is in this tent, and he he has this idea, I need to build something better than I have, like I've said. And so he goes to the prophet Nathan, and he runs this idea by him, and Nathan says, Hey, I think that's a great idea. Go ahead and do it. Do what's in your heart because it was a it was for the right reason. But the Lord says, "No, you can't do it." That night he comes to Nathan and he says, "No, tell him he can't. I'm going to make his house great. I'm going to make him great, but I don't want him to build the temple for me." And so this is where it, I want to pick up. It's often said that God answers prayer by saying, "Yes, no, or wait." I'm sure you've heard that before. That's nothing new. Hopefully, I'm not bringing this new light to you. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure I've done a lesson on these three words. Yes, the Lord says yes, and you get to do it. Or no, no, I have something better for you. Or wait, not right now, but maybe maybe in the future. Well, in this chapter, we see God say all three First, in Nathan's response that the Lord told him, he says, yes, someday the house of the ark will be built. But then he says, no, he says, but you're not to build it. And then he wraps up saying, wait, just wait and see what will be done. And I can only imagine how David responds to this because we have a disease that affects this world today, and it's a disease of instant gratification. We want what we want when we want it, and we want it right now. And if you're a successful person like David has been, you're accustomed to getting what you want. And you normally, if you can't get it, you figure out a way to go get it and get it done. You get it as soon as possible. I think about my dad every time Christmas rolls around. What do you get the man that has everything he ever wanted? And he doesn't waste money, but he, if he needs something, he goes and gets it. 
My dad is a very successful engineer and he's provided well for his family and when he's needed something, he just goes out and get it. So what do you get someone that already has everything they need? But the situation that I'm talking about that you want and you want it right now reminds me of a joke I heard. There's a man that prays, Lord, give me the gift of patience and give it to me right now. But I want you to understand that there's nothing wrong with building the temple. God just tells David through Nathan ultimately that it will be done, but he's not the one that's going to do it. There's a couple of things we see right here in this first 12 to 14 verses. One is there is a great idea that is to honor God. How many times have you had a great idea that was going to honor God like David has right here, yet for whatever reason, God didn't allow it to happen? At a children's pastor's conference, I heard about something that just exemplifies this. Phil Vischer, who originally came up with VeggieTales, built this company that was to create a children's animation about God's stories using veggies. These fruits and vegetable characters retell Christian stories from the Bible. And it brought the Bible to life to kids, and it was going to change lives. It was a great idea, yet there's a problem. VeggieTale winds up going bankrupt. I won't go into all the details. You can go research this. But Phil Vischer says that he had this successful thing that God had put this ministry on his heart. And through distribution arguments, because of negotiating of contracts wrong, he wound up being sued and the company went bankrupt. Phil Vischer had to leave the company. It was bought by someone else. And VeggieTales is still out today. But the idea that he had this ministry was completely taken off his hands. Very similar to what happened to David right here. A great idea out of the heart and a mission that he had for God, and yet, for whatever reason, God allowed that to be taken from him. And just like David, we see that Phil Vischer had an idea to honor God, but God wound up having a different plan. He had a different timing. And that's what we see. We see Nathan gives him man's answer, just like Phil Vischer will tell you, on man's eyes, that looked just like a great idea. David had a great idea, and Nathan the prophet tells him, go ahead. But then the Lord answers him, and he says, yes, no, and wait. Some scholars say that God laid this on David's heart, but David had the wrong timeline. He was trying to do it in his own strength. And that's why God had to say yes, no, and wait. See, us as successful people, sometimes God lays something on our heart. But his timing doesn't match our timing. It doesn't scratch where we itch. As a matter of fact, I've seen times, and each of you listening probably could say the same thing, you've seen times where God's timing was beyond what we could see. And I think sometimes God does this so that people don't get credit. That Phil Vischer didn't get credit. That David didn't get credit. As successful people, as successful oriented people, Sometimes I think God has to let it get beyond what we can do in our timeline so that he ensures that he gets the proper credit. Phil Vischer said he screamed out to God one night and he said, if I don't do it, nobody will. God, why is your timing going on like this? God, why have you taken this from me? But God, in his ultimate wisdom, operates at a whole different sense of timing than we do. 2 Peter 3, 8 tells us, but do not overlook this fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. God tells David, yes, 
But then he tells him no, and he says, here's your purpose. Look at verse 9 with me. And I have been with you wherever you went, and I cut off all your enemies before you. And I will make you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they will dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. God tells him, yes, the temple of the ark will be built, but it will be by your son, your son's son, who will do it. But David, I'm laying a groundwork and I want you to have everything done for me. But your job is to take care of the people. Your job is to secure the people. And that comes first. God tells him, David, you're to lay the groundwork. David, you have a great dream. The dream that you have is good. But your children are to fulfill the dream, not you. Our idea of success may be to achieve everything we want all by ourselves, but God's plan for our success is that we achieve enough for those who come after us that can achieve even more for him. Do you remember we studied 1 Corinthians? Over in 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 6, Paul is teaching the Corinthians that it's not about who the pastor is. It's not about who the leaders they follow is. It's about God. He says in verse 6, I have planted an Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that water, but God that gives the increase. What Paul is teaching the Corinthians and what we need to learn, it's not about us. It's not about who we follow. It's about God. We're to be faithful. We're to follow his instructions. But it's about God's master plan. We are just a puppet on the stage. God has a master plan. Sometimes we think the plan is about us and we get our focus off what God's ultimate plan is and we get it, I want success, I want it now. And what we're learning here, what David is learning, is that there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger stage. And you're going to play this part of the role, and then God's going to take it, and he's going to increase it. You're to be faithful. So we've seen David's idea. It was a great idea. It was the right idea. It was out of the right heart. But it wasn't under God's timeline. It was under God's plan. We saw man say, yes, it's a great idea, but we saw God's answer, yes, no, and wait. But what I want you to wrap up with is, let's look at how David responds to all this. How does the king handle this disappointment? David responds correctly, and we should learn from it. David learned that he can pray, and we, he reveals to us that his prayer is spot on. He is thankful to the Lord. David went in, and he sat before the Lord, and he said, who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? Look at right there in verse 18. The king went and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I? Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? I don't know about you, but the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I got to think David was human just like us. And I don't think it was easy for David to get to this point. Successful people normally don't respond like this. They react with shock or doubt or disbelief or probably lots of anger. And I got to think that just like successful people, David was hurt a little bit because of the intention was for the good of the Lord and the Lord tells him no. But we see that David put himself in a spirit of humility and David understands that God is the bigger picture. And who is he compared to the Lord God Almighty? And oh, the picture we see right here of David and his humility. And he comes in prayer and accepts what the Lord has told him. As you study these verses right here, it's more than just a prayer of acceptance. I hear him saying in this prayer, whatever disappointment I may feel, whatever failure I have, 
Lord God, this is the one thing I know, that you love me. You love me more than anything. You've taken care of me. You care for me. And that's really all I need. I want to be a servant of you, O Lord. That's what David says in his prayer. Do you see the gospel in that? That we need a Savior. And David says, you are my Savior. And O Lord, I am your servant. See, even though David wanted to leave a landmark right there in the new capital of Jerusalem, he tells the Lord, hey, I want you to leave a landmark on me. I want you to leave a, a change in me. And I accept that, even if I don't get to leave something, a statue or a tribute to you. And this is how we should respond. It's not about our success. It's not about what mountain we've overcome. It doesn't matter about what we've forged ahead. It's about that God accepted us and we've made him a permanent part of our life. And that the landscape that we want to change is really him changing our landscape. And listen to his heart. And listen to verse 22, where he says, Therefore you are great, O Lord, for there is none like you, and there is no God beside you according to all that we have heard with our ears. Do you really believe that today? Do you really believe that there is no one like the Lord our God Almighty? Then why do we still do things in our own strength? Why do we still try to solve problems first by us instead of going to him immediately? How come don't we have the response that David has right here? Instead, we try to do it in our own strength and have our own success. In verse 25, you look at it with me real quick. He says, And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken. David is saying, Let it be so. Let it be, Lord, let it be. Just like Jesus, when he went to the cross, he's saying, David's saying right here, Not my will, but your will. Jesus said that before he went to the cross. He, he prayed that in, in Gethsemane. He said, Lord, if there's any way for this not to happen, then let's take it off the table. But not my will. Lord, if this is what has to be done, then let's do it. And that's what David says right there in verse 25. The other thing is I want you to see in this prayer, David is willing to change what's supposed to happen. And as a follower of Jesus, we want to bring glory to his name just like David says he wants to. We've given our life to him. That's what you said when you made him Lord of your life. When you said, you are Lord, come in to me. The Bible tells us that we have to die to ourselves daily and carry the cross. Luke 9, 23, Jesus is speaking here. He says, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That means we put down our success and we let God have the success. We're like Paul and Apollos. We water we build, but God does the increase. We're like David. It's a great idea, and it's a dream that sometimes is painted, but we may not be the ultimate person to finish that dream. So as I said, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you want to bring glory to his name, you've given your life to him, and you should be willing to have your life used in whatever way possible to redeem people and bring glory to his name. And that's ultimately what all this is about. I think the crux of this is in verse 23. Look back at that with me real quick. And who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name. Catch that. Making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before the people whom you redeemed for yourself for Egypt, a nation and its gods. That is the crux of what this chapter is about. Matter of fact, that is the crux of the whole Bible. 
This is that God is making a name for himself, that people will see the name. God chose Abraham. God chose David. God chose Jesus for one purpose, to make a name for himself. And as a follower of Christ today, you should be asking yourself, what can I do to help build on his name? What can I do to make him a better name? What can I do so people see the name of the Lord? It should be like David. You should have a heart that wants to honor God. You should be willing to give up your plans and use God's plan to make his name for him. And when you submit to the Lord and his plan, he will make a great name. Psalms 33:18 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. When you are willing to lay down your success, even though God will give you that success, you're saying, my plan is to honor God. My plan is to get realigned. My plan is to let him upset what I think I need to do and do what he wants to do. So when God tells you yes, no, and wait, and we saw all three today, how do you respond? As a successful person, how do you respond? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for this time together. Lord, let us always be willing to submit to you. Lord, we had to submit. We had to be lost to be saved. We had to understand that we needed a Savior. Half of being saved is understanding that we are lost, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Lord, let us always understand part of that salvation is submitting to you. When we call you Lord, that means we are a servant, that you're over us and we have no authority. It's only through you. Or maybe there's one today that's never prayed that prayer. Or Lord, maybe there's one today listening that think they prayed that prayer, but they've never truly submitted. Lord, I pray today that they would submit and make you true Lord of their life. Lord, that they would admit they're a sinner. And Lord, they would believe on your finished work on the cross and they will chase after you. They'll follow your commandments. Lord, I pray for the one today that is where I've been before. Lord, well, they're trying to do it in their own strength. Lord, they see the success. They have the right idea. They have a heart for you, but they're not doing it by your plan. They're doing it through their plan. Lord, it, it's the right intention, but it's not on your timeline. Lord, I pray today that they would check themselves as the Holy Spirit knocks on their heart to say, hey, yes, no, or wait. Lord, it's tough to be a successful person, and yet have you tell us no or not now. Lord, I pray today that we would be a submissive follower of you. And Lord, it would be about your name, and everything we would do would give you ultimate glory. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you send our way. It's in your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.